Welcome to the SUSA series of podcasts that shares questions and dives into all things personal development because learning never stops, especially after graduation. This series will share insights, ideas, and advice on shaping ourselves to prepare for a future of uncertainties. Previously on SUSS Podcast. Every child should find himself or herself in the pages of a book. This may be in the role of the self, or it could be an empathetic other or an active supporter of a character. Every child should learn to see the characters in a book, diverse books, and themselves as members of a common humanity. So it's not only about seeing the differences in a character from themselves, but also seeing the commonality that yeah both of us face these same problems and sure this child may look different from me but at the end of the day we are both children we are both loved by our parents we both have a family that cares for us i particularly like your point about how stories are not just mirrors and also windows to other worlds it helps the child to actually build a sort of confidence when they see themselves being represented or their struggles being represented as well so this is something that i think is a topic of discussion lately where there's so much emphasis on maybe mathematics science with coding there's some sort of competition between subjects and all that and people seem to have kind of pushed stories to the back of the importance of learning what are your thoughts on that well i think that stem or steam as we call it today is very important in a technology driven world of course we want to make our kids comfortable mm. with technology we have to make them comfortable with technology we have to give them the skills not everybody is going to become a coder or a, an engineer or a scientist but regardless of what you do you will have to have technology skills you cannot be a technophobe right and i think that books actually go a long way in promoting this i don't see that the two are in conflict yes. so you know stories which show for example particularly we find that there are certain communities that may be underrepresented in stem fields mm. there might be girls may be underrepresented mm. in stem jobs we know for a fact that typically women earn less than men yes. in stem careers yep. so to encourage these communities we must give them stories of to celebrate success mm. that show good role models that talks about stories of women of these marginalized communities mm. coming forward with confidence mm. in these feels so that children will gain the confidence mm. because books can be one of the few places where children may meet people mm. unlike themselves yep. they can learn to understand and appreciate differences and embrace it so in that sense literature and stories are powerful in their capacity to change mm. us to change our outlook on the world enabling us to envision a future that we may not otherwise have thought about Yes, that's very beautifully said. Thank you. I think this leads us to the next question. We are now actually witnessing a great shift in the way we consume content. Parents of the current school-going generation, they were brought up in a time when educational technology was utilized very sparingly in school. In the 90s and even in the early 2000s, the use of educational games and software was not prevalent and some even argued that these content did not boost academic development at all. 
But of course, you know, now we live in a very different world today. We are in Industrial Revolution 4.0. Some even say that we are already in 5.0. So with advanced computer technologies and the resulting mobile connectivity, education technology may become a part of our learning and our everyday life. We can learn anything and really anything by just going online and clicking on a video or just reading a wiki page. So what's your opinion then on the effectiveness of education technology? Well, that's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> so with the pandemic, the greatest and most widespread exercise on the use of mm. educational technology began, yes. right? You had literally billions of kids mm. using educational technology to learn. In fact, in many parts of the world, they still are. And so I doubt that we will go back to the pre-pandemic days of no technology. Yes. I mean, even pre-pandemic, it wasn't no technology, but it was a different kind of use of technology. Mm. But I think there will be some level of adjustment. We were undoubtedly and irrevocably, whether we are parents or students, whether we are adult learners or children or teachers, mm. we were forced to use technology. Mm. And in doing so, we learned about the benefits. Yes. So prior to the pandemic, teachers may have believed that, you know, they can do this more effectively in person, but they have seen the benefits of technology. Not all of it, but I'm sure teachers are discerning in understanding what is useful and what is not. Mm. Likewise, students are discovering that. I think the biggest gain has been parents. Parents have understood the value of technology in education. Previously, it used to be parents just getting annoyed seeing their kids playing games or watching <laughs> cartoons or watching YouTube videos. But they now look at these devices and this technology as something different. So while there will still remain concerns about kids stuck to screens, but I think technology is definitely a game changer mm -hmm. for education and learning. And the reason, as the pandemic showed, is access. Mm. In the most dire of circumstances also, technology can provide access to everyone. So in the very affluent countries, we had Zoom classrooms mm. and all kinds of gizmos and apps and softwares being used. But I've also seen that in the most challenging of circumstances, you know, where kids are living in slums and tenements, parents are able to provide children continued access to learning on WhatsApp. Mm. So even a WhatsApp message from the teacher becomes a means of learning, of continued learning for this child. And for that child, that is the technology. Mm. Previously, it used to be that the book is the only technology, right? But no more. Particularly as far as reading goes, technology provides access, mm -hmm. it provides choice, it provides personalization. And I say this because at Scholastic, we ourselves have developed a product called Scholastic Literacy Pro, mm -hmm. which is essentially an e-library with a lot of customizable features, kid-friendly features and stuff. When the pandemic started and there were widespread school closures, we made the decision to provide free access to all schools who wanted to use it so that kids could continue to read. Because we understood that, you know, for so many kids, the only opportunity to read was in the school, in the library. And if they're stuck at home, what are they going to read? And that reading loss 
would slide them downwards mm. and they would really suffer so through that it ended up for us being a huge experiment mm. in learning right in reading but we saw the uptick in the reading behavior we saw that more and more kids were reading they were taking the quizzes that were associated with the books and we continued to see that so it wasn't that when school closures ended kids stopped reading mm. so that's a habit that was fortuitous i guess with the school closures but it was a habit that was formed but it continues to this day so with technology with these e libraries we can you know whereas a child could previously take one book home or two books home today in his device is taking a thousand two thousand three thousand books home and he has a choice mm. so based on his reading level and his interests he can choose which books he wants to read the teacher can assign books for him to read according to you know projects that they're working on or things that they're learning in class and with the data that we are collecting we can plot the child's progress we can predict where he's going on his reading journey so all of this technology makes possible mm. so from what you've said technology and education technology has really helped to boost the literacy rates and encourage the cultivation of this passion for reading but this is really for the school going children in your opinion what about adults how would you approach the need to encourage adults to read differently where adults are concerned i guess we have to break it up into two bits the reading for a specific purpose mm-hmm. and reading for pleasure mm-hmm. or leisure and it's very likely that if they're given a choice they won't read for pleasure but let's take the first part because that's i guess directly connected to their success at work or whatever so these are specific reading skills mm-hmm. that even in adults you can develop about how to focus how to scan how to skim how to draw conclusions all of these things are skills that can be developed as adults and as long as adults are given something that is meaningful purposeful relevant so they need to find these things yes. and read accordingly So because we are all about lifelong learning and sure. just now you mentioned that it's possible it's not too late for adults to actually cultivate or learn the skills of critical reading a lot of what you said about drawing conclusions scheming and all this are critical reading to go back to the stories again how would you use stories to encourage adults to learn critical reading I think there's lots of inspiring biographies autobiographies that adults would enjoy mm. For example I'm currently reading Indra Nooyi's autobiography she was former CEO of PepsiCo the first woman head of a Fortune 500 company it's inspiring mm. and I think when we look at these stories that are relevant we automatically get involved mm. and we get engaged in reading I think probably adults should pace themselves find a book that's on a subject that they enjoy reading mm-hmm. but also start with small bites so it's like don't try to climb mount everest <laughs> on your first attempt right start with bukitima hill mm. first if you're not the type to have always read text heavy books then you should consider reading graphic novels mm. for example so a recent example that comes to mind is my son and i were reading sapiens mm-hmm. which is thick but there is also a graphic version of it <laughs> <laughs> so you could actually read the graphic version of it first mm. and then go and read the text heavy version mm. of it so you know if you look at leo tolstoy's great novels or if you even look at the harry mm-hmm. potter books yes. if they're difficult to read go and watch the movie mm. then go and read the books yes 
and you will see nuances just because you've watched a movie doesn't mean you won't enjoy the book you yes. will enjoy you will in fact enjoy the book more so based on what you said earlier using movies and reinterpretations of these classics or some of the written stories and coupled with let's say the materials available from educational technology would you say that when parents and their children learn together they can actually strengthen the family bond build a stronger society while building the skills for literacy competency and all that i think we have to accept the simple truth that you are what you read mm. and therefore it is so critically important to establish the child's identity as a reader mm. our ultimate aim as an educator and as a parent should be to help all children to become proficient avid readers who bring passion skill and a critical eye to every reading encounter you cannot overemphasize the lifetime benefits of mm. reading yeah. because you read mm-hmm. you can learn about anything you yes. can travel anywhere you can find answers to your questions and you can ask good mm-hmm. questions as well so i think that the role of parents of caregivers and particularly for us at scholastic we see our role as helping a child to discover a book that can change their life mm. and in doing so they will change the world mm. by supporting our youngest readers with access to engaging relatable stories to stories that spark their innate curiosity and answer their desire to be heard so we must help young people discover what they want and need from books and together build a way forward mm-hmm. to ensure that they will have access to the books which will ultimately help them shape our collective future because ultimately children are our future yeah. what we do today for them they will do for the world tomorrow yes. and therefore it is so important to help the children that we know and love to discover the immeasurable joy and power of reading you're right that's very inspiring so are there any stories that you will recommend to kick start this journey to literacy or refresher well this story is all over i don't know where i would start but when i look at my grandchildren who are between the ages of 2 and 9 we have spent a lot of time reading the books of julia donaldson mm-hmm. they're amazing yes. and then we've read the books of eric carle mm-hmm. there's a lot of local books that we like to read there was a recent one that we were reading about this child who was wondering why his grandma kept asking these strange questions at chinese new year <laughs> and that was so fascinating because i mean obviously we're indian mm. and <laughs> muslim so we celebrate eid mm. but the whole episode of reading that book really brought alive to my grandchild the whole experience of chinese new year from a child's perspective and so when they had to do the decorations etc for celebrating chinese new year in her kindergarten it became so much more meaningful mm-hmm. to her and i'm sure those memories will stay with her for me i read anything but i would recommend that people find the books that they enjoy and have a mix of fiction and non-fiction i really like your story about how when we read stories of other cultures or we read stories about people who may be different from us or even if they're the same or we share commonalities we are able to experience much more and understand the meanings of our world a lot more would you see that this is how literacy contributes to social good to building a better society absolutely i'd like to talk about my favorite julia donaldson book which is the ugly five she wrote it after a visit to africa 
She went on a safari and you know when you go on a safari you talk about the big five. I think it's the lion, the giraffe, the rhinoceros, the hippo, the yeah. elephant. Yes. These are the big five. So she came back and she wrote this book called The Ugly Five, mm-hmm. which is about the five ugliest animals <laughs> on the African plain. And if you read that book, it comes as a shock. It's like what kind of a book is it? <laughs> you know, talking about the ugly five. But it is such a thought-provoking book. Mm. It starts off with the narrator talking about, "Oh, this is the African plain. These are these beautiful animals. But wait, who is this ugly animal here? <laughs> Who is walking here?" And then this animal, I think it's a hyena, and then it's the ostrich. Uh, it's a vulture and animals like that. So one by one, they are saying, "I'm the ugly one. I'm the ugly one. Look at my feathers. They're so ugly, and this and that." And then the book ends. with you know it's five ugly animals saying we are the ugly five mm-hmm. nobody loves us because we are so unlovable and mm-hmm. all of that at the end of the book it's the children the babies of these animals saying no mm. you are so beautiful why would you say that you're ugly you're beautiful you're the world to us you feed us you look after us and so i used to read this book with my granddaughter who's 9 but when she was going to kindergarten we used to go to drop her in the car every day and so this was our routine in the car she and i mm. used to sit in the back seat and i used to read this book and talk about it and she said daddy ma you can't call anyone ugly <laughs> why would you call anyone ugly there's beauty in everyone everyone's beautiful and then she pointed out to the vulture and said look the pink color on his neck mm. it's so beautiful so to me this was such an important moment that for a child everything is beautiful yes and in the process of education we actually change that yeah what a shame and this book actually points that out that the dominant group in society the narrator has already declared that these five animals are ugly and these animals start believing that they are ugly and that's terrible right and then their children are saying no you're not ugly you're beautiful so these children who are unaware of the ways of the world are able to tell their parents you're beautiful mm. but i worry about what happens when these children will go to school <laughs> yes. when they get so called uh, you know educated mm. then will they also accept the dominant trope of society and start believing that they are ugly so for this reason this book by julia donaldson i've used it in so many literature workshops and so on but even a child can appreciate the message in this book but it has a message for all of us So to summarize what you have been saying is how literacy not only opens up the world to to the reader whether you're young or old it also enables you to acquire the competencies for financial literacy for critical reading for moving forward with life it also encourages you to be more empathetic and of course eventually all of these should allow our society to thrive and we become a better society for that mm. and you've also mentioned that education technology is actually something that is boosting literacy rate around the world and i find all of this very fascinating and really thankful for your insight not at all kid <laughs> it's been a pleasure thank you for having yes, me and thank you for joining us You've been listening to the SUSS series of podcasts. To find more episodes, visit suss.edu.sg/podcast.